Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. All right, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome to Still Growing Grace. I hope everyone's having a great morning already, uh, or whenever you watch this later, hopefully your day is starting out well. Uh, this morning, and dive right into a conversation. I've got a weird computer fan noise going on, so you can probably hear it in the background. It's driving me nuts. Um, so I'm not going to talk long in the front end, and hopefully it'll be gone by the time we come back. So let's dig into a really, really good interview um, I had with Richard and Bill on progressive uh, Christianity and what does it mean and how does it affect? us here we go let's enjoy all righty today is more of a off the cuff um kind of a conversation they're all, they're all off the cuff Mike. <laughs> sometimes you have a theme ahead of time but uh um today i asked you know hey what's what's really percolating and um so i we talked about progressive um uh, religion and uh, whatever term it was you guys had and and I'm hearing a lot about it so let's I'm gonna let you guys introduce this and let's let's uh, kind of dig into this topic because it sounds very interesting it could be um, animated <clears throat> <laughs> well we were talking a minute ago just about and we've been talking about progressive you know progressive Christianity deconstruction people who who would be labeled as progressive and probably all three of us would be labeled as progressives by some uh, and others would say we don't go far enough. Uh, but, but just one thing I've noticed is that there, and, and as we've said before, you know, the key to deconstruction is that you let the nature of Jesus deconstruct us from what, from error, from legalistic error, or from progressive error. You know, uh, when, when, when progressives tout something that does, isn't resonant with Jesus's nature, uh, I deconstruct from that, or, or hopefully never constructed that. But we have to watch it carefully, you know, we were talking a minute ago just about how uh, if, if the New Testament says anything, it says we have to live by faith. We are to live by faith. Faith is the most one of the most important words we can know. Faith, hope and love. Those are the three biggies. Mm -hmm. And love, of course, is the most important. But of course, faith works by love, you know, and, and hope. It's like the Trinity, you know, and hope works by love and love works by faith. I thought you of know? the Trinity with those three together. Yeah. I thought yeah. Was a so. Uh, you know, it's the three, uh, threefold things, you know, that the Old Testament mentions in that verse, the mysterious threefold things. There's a threefold aspect um, that carries so much depth to it. But when progressives, if you look at a lot of progressives posts, they don't like the word faith. They want it excised out of the lexicon just mm -hmm. because it has been mutated by many dry, brittle, spiritless believers or by carnal, excited, charismaniac believers. It's been mutated into something. And yet the worst thing we could do is throw that baby out of the bathwater. You know, so, so you know, what is faith? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I mean, I was saying that what really what got me going the other day is a, a Facebook friend of mine has basically renounced Christianity. And he posted this thing that has a picture of Peyton Manning winning the Super Bowl, and then he has a, 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 a bubble that he says, because he did say this in the wake of it. He says, I just want to thank the big man upstairs. Well, yeah, I'm not crazy about calling the big man upstairs, but that's his business. And he, he was thanking God in his own way, and he wasn't thanking God for winning. Uh, but it, well, let me step back to that in just a minute, and then, and then I'll step out of the way. But So that's at the top of the picture. And then underneath it, it says there's an emaciated uh, Nigerian child there who, uh, you know, is just bones and who, who, whose bubble, uh, thought bubble or speech bubble is so happy God chose to help you win. The, the whole point of it being that here you are, you know, sounding so arrogant that God helps you win the Super Bowl and here a child that God is not helping. And then my friend said his comment on it was the absurdity of thinking God helps you win sports games truly astounds me or thinking he helped you find a parking spot. LOL. I agree 
you know, I agree that people can get involved in this and use God as a genie in the sky. Okay. But I thought that was such a, a shallow hatchet job, particularly of Peyton Manning. Because if you know Peyton Manning, you know, well, let me tell you my, my first thought, though. When I saw this, I, 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 I made a comment that, that I was going to post, but I couldn't because I was tinged with anger. I had to get let it cool down in me. But I was going to say. None of us do that ever. I, I was going to say, I have a mental, I see two mental pictures. One uh, is of a progressive atheist, uh, you know, who, uh, who criticizes uh, you know, who criticizes anyone who believes in God for help and being their best, brighter selves. Um, and, and then the other one is, you know, that, uh, that while the progressive atheist is getting his yucks from uh, attacking uh, Christians, he does nothing to help the child. And then my next paragraph was, but that would be unfair of me because I have no idea whether, whether that progressive atheist is helping the child or not. You're just prolonging the the problem, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I said. So I. So then I said. I think what we really need to do is try to be more textured with this. So I, I looked up all this stuff by Peyton Manning and see how he starts children's hospitals, does millions and millions and millions of dollars, got all sorts of foundations to help uh, underprivileged kids, uh, and what a ridiculous statement. I also see what he thought about God. And he said, God is not concerned about who wins football games. He said the only way he would ever be concerned about that is if, if a win might change someone's character who's crying out to him, you know, uh, for a deeper walk with him. And I mean, it was just beautiful the way that he said it. But I, I thought this picture shows there's a snarkiness and it pulls out the snarkiness in me, <laughs> you know, too, so I'm gonna, uh, you know, to, to rebut it. But there's a snarkiness in this progressive atheism that wants that that wants to mock faith mm. the idea that you can't be grateful to god for a small thing because something is going on out here all the while while the credit the naysayers this whole not the whole but i mean a lot of the progressive atheism it's just naysaying they they do nothing but naysay they, they don't say anything positive they just say this is this is wrong this is bad and i would just uh, you know, warn against that and, and, and to try to try to stay positive about faith, hope and love that, you know, those are the dynamics we move in. And those are the dynamics that we live by. Yeah. And um, and by all means, you know, by all means, help everyone who has needs. God, be thankful to God for the big things, you know, in your life, because it's not so much that God may just say, well, I'm just going to zap you with this blessing. It's that the more that we pull off of his energies in our thoughts and in our emotions, that obviously that's going to maximize our potential in our jobs and, and, and in everything else. And not always. There may be times when we get fired for righteousness sake or we lose our job for that. You know, but but all I'm saying is, you know, with, with this, I, I've been concerned uh, about what we're talking about, that there, there are basic terms, you know, a lot even in the grace movement in which a lot of it would be considered progressive. They've excised faith out of it. They rarely, if ever, talk about faith. So can yeah. we can we clarify something? Because I think sure. it's going to be confusing for some folks. How do we use this word progressive? Because um, coming from my background, I'm progressively growing and excited about the deeper, wider expanse of God's love and the knowledge of that. To me, that's very progressive. Um, I feel I'm progressing. But I don't think that's what you mean. You're talking about different progressive mindset or label. Can can we clarify and define those real quick? Just because I know some what, people are going to be confused. What bill? You want to hit that bill? <laughs> sure. Oh, I'll bike that one off. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go step on some toes now. Uh, no, it's a, it's a good question because I think it is such a dynamic and subjective term in culture in this thing that we're calling talking about faith um and there and even even in um in kind of more of a social aspect there's an individual aspect there's a social <clears> aspect <throat> and there's a faith aspect i think and all of the that word progressive has connotations in each and every individual i think has a different um per, percentage display on each one of those and i think that it's one of our problems i'm a word guy a wordy in some ways and um you know, trying to get to the crux, Mike, just like you said, of, of what a word means is, is hard. I think for myself, and I would 
hope maybe the two of you, progressive means we have progressed past our fundamental upbringings inside of what I would call the reformed, um, industrialized, American, Americanized, and North American Westernized. Westernized, but I say even Americanized to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. Christian church. Now, Canada has been obviously affected and Europe's been affected, but America had a different spin on faith for the last 250 years and prosperity that came from some of that underpinned kind of theological kind of thing. Um, and it's it's really had positive impacts on the kingdom in some areas, I believe. My, my grandfather was a, a, a minister um, he was in charge. He was global. Um, he was in charge of global missions for Brethren in Christ uh, denomination. Uh, from, I know them. Yeah, from like the '70s through the the early 2000s, and and so you know, my grandfather traveled literally across the globe, India, spent decades in Brazil, ministering and telling people the good news of Jesus from as as well as he could understand it at his point in time in history, right? With with the the things around him. So I think we like to squash and take the the awakenings of perhaps our timetable and put it on people of the past, the Billy Grahams, you know, the Billy Sundays. And, you know, we can even go back even further that the John Edwards and, and yeah, were those guys perfect in their understanding? No, we've, we've come somewhere from that. We've progressed out of some of their uh, boxed in theology, right? We've kind of cracked another labor layer, but they would have been progressive to what preceded yeah. them, right? So where's the yeah. negative part then? How, how's the negative use of it coming into play so the negative i would say the negative side of that is is there a time or a way we progress that is unhealthy or unbeneficial to that more um uh, individual uh, faith societal combination right And, and again i think this is where it gets really delicate because politically speaking um progressivism may have connotations that one person finds favorable it doesn't it has nothing to do with the face conversation we're talking oh. about and i think that's where we get this blend okay. what richard's talking about and i believe is strictly from the faith standpoint there are people who believe that there is a progressive path beyond jesus oh that jesus has an end of value individually oh we're so over jesus now we're and individually okay. you know religiously for lack of a better word faith right and societally and we can get past him and find a better understanding of we can progress past jesus and that's i think the the negative that i would say is the the crux of what we're discussing it took me a while to get there but i think that's but could that come from the the absolutely being hurt and burned by the church i think i think the vocabulary of it can i think the thoughts of it can but so much of that then lends itself untethered Mm. right to anything of substance at least that i've been able to 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 ascertain at this point in time i mean when we go there even despite it being a reaction to hurt or to pain or to damage it puts us into a place where we don't have any solid ground to, to stand on anymore for what is real, right? All objectivity at that point goes out the window and it becomes this subjective, nebulous nothingness that has no hope defined. So the centrality it has of no faith defined. So it has the, no love defined. Yeah. So to me, I've, I've heard the importance of keeping Christ as the central point of all of this Trinity, Jesus Christ too. Right. Cause even the word Christ gets yeah. progressivized. Into yeah. Wow. Right? Okay. Now I'm starting to see what you guys mean. Okay. And well, so, I, yeah, you don't have that tangible. I love the word icon that defines faith, the faith of Christ that defines hope, the hope of Jesus Christ, the love displayed by Jesus Christ. Those are Jesus is the one that defines all three of those things. Without him, what is faith? Yeah, and and, and I think that he is our source. 
Absolutely. That Jesus is our source for wisdom. He's our source for our emotional well-being. He should be our source. Peyton Manning, he should be your source for playing football. Doesn't mean you win. Goodness gracious, he didn't say that. And who says that? Come on, you're jumping to a whole bunch of conclusions there. But who who wouldn't believe that, hey, you know, God has given me personal strength that I don't give up in a game or that I do my best or that I work harder, that I train harder. I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. And, you know, faith to me, the progressive, the difference between the two is the nature of the energy that's involved. Mm. If progressivism as a philosophy, which is what we're really talking, because we all will philosophy will ultimately do it when philosophy takes the head of the table, it will excise and marginalize Jesus out of it. It's just the way that works. It always has worked that way. You know, the, the physical, the logical, you know, will push the metaphysical off to the side because it wants to rule. Yeah. So. Uh, the quality of our energy, of, of our spirituality, to me, is the positive is you're believing in something, you're believing towards something or someone, you're believing in, on, through, from, to, you know, all the prepositions come together in there. And it's a mystical interaction, a union, a, a romance, so to speak. And that's all a metaphysical issue. But what progressives do, as do a lot of the uh, psychological social sciences out there. A lot of people are more into social sciences. Psychology becomes their Bible. Psychology becomes their God. And I'm not saying that they're not legitimate insights and all that, but, but I'm saying that the energy bees, well, let's deconstruct what you've just done. You know, let's deconstruct it. So we understand it. Well, but that will never get you to a place of positive affirmation and positive, you know, positive energy that's building on a metaphysical base on a faith base in things that are unseen, you know, a divine encounter, you know, a, a divine walking ne next to Jesus, because progressivism the, the, as a philosophy will have people try to walk by sight and try to make things look ridiculous. And when I see an argument like this thing here, this is just an example of it. You've rejected Jesus. I remember when you used to post about Jesus and post about believing he was good. And now you're beyond it. And now you're making fun of Christians. Is, it, is that any kind of maturity? You know, uh, it's just negative. It's all it's negative. And that's how I would define it. You know, I, I got asked to do a blog and I think build it too. I, I think on uh, the progressive. Uh, uh, what is it called? Patheos. And I, I, I got on there and it, it, they wanted they were trying to slide me in. And I did slide in on something called progressive Christianity. Well, when I look at the other progressive Christianities, I said, I don't I don't I don't agree with any of this stuff. I mean, this, this is, this, there's no awe of the Lord in it. There's no faith or very little. Uh, and I said, I don't even recognize the spirit this is coming from. And then I asked myself, well, you haven't seen all the kind of spirits, you know, you haven't seen all this. So maybe this is something you need to learn. And, and God, I tried, I tried to learn. I hung around the thing and to see the quality of comments, even on, on my thing, they said, why are you a wrong progressive? You know, because people would recognize you, you're talking like some mystic. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're not even worse or even worse. Somebody who's really, really, really orthodox, maybe even before like Westernism. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and you know, uh, I, I posted that, uh, that Chesterton quote where he said, you know, I tried to find a little, I tried to find a heresy of my own, but when I discovered it, I saw that it was orthodoxy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's so that there's nothing new under the sun. And we just rediscover things for our age, you know, yeah. maybe things that have been lost in other ages or disguised by other ages. You know, I, I realized the difference between John Wesley and John Calvin. I mean, not Wesley, uh, Wesley and Whitfield. I, I live in a county that's named after George Whitfield, but he was a Calvinist. But Wesley battled Calvinist all the time. And it took me years before I finally said, you know what this is? He's doing the same thing we're doing today. He's sticking up for the goodness of God. Not that he has a whole bunch of it, but he he called the he, you know, he would call a Calvinist God, you're a monster. That's not true. And then he would he would tell a Calvinist that your God is my Satan. You know, he's famous for saying that Wesley is. But but the point is he was the progressive of his day, and he was going around saying, We don't even need uh clergy. You know, we 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 need to be we're we're all we're all clergy. You know, there's no lady. We, you know, and he founded the home groups. Well, that was that was. The, the good kind of positive progressive uh, of the day that led out of a negative thing, but into and toward a more positive understanding of reality mm -hmm. and, uh, and of everything. And, uh, you know, people need hope. Uh, I know I do, you know, I, more than anything else in this life, we need, we live by hope. 
Mm. You know, and we live by faith and we live by love. And those are all positive dynamics. And I think that we're we're shuffling, you know, we're playing a what is that game? Shell game with the truth when we when all we do is just sit back and mock and scourge and belittle and say, I'm past Christ and all this. Well, if you're past Christ, leave him behind then. Stop talking about it. You move on and show us the positive whatever the positive thing you have. Yeah, and I think that that's a that's one of my challenges that I've had with, you know, some of these individuals and, and who are very open about being past Jesus. They literally say I'm past Jesus or I'm over Jesus. I used to be that Jesus. way. That's what they say. I used to believe that. I used to believe that, but I've moved beyond that. And and yet I think they still use the narrative of Jesus. And this is where it hurts my soul. And this is I'm just being honest here. Um they use the belittling of Christians, A, to gain audience um, and, and to gain notoriety and to gain kind of um, prestige. So Jesus has to still be in the Bible and that whole dynamic still has to be a very intricate part of their narrative. Because without that, I'm not sure what they have to offer anymore. No. There's no hope. Love has no definition. It's whatever you want to create and cultivate it to be for your own self and your own flesh, right? Faith is just as we've talked about and kind of started, doesn't actually exist. So there's no faith in anything but you. And, and here's the problem with faith in Bill, at least Bill's faith in Bill is I really screw up. I almost said a bad word there. I really screw up on occasion, right? And so if my faith is in me, I mean, for me, just to be a good dad, be a decent husband, you know, um, not eat, not drink that extra beer when I'm out, whatever it is, I'm I'm writing that line all the time. I'm gonna have faith in myself, and that's the line. Man, I sure hope there's something better in this world beyond just the limitations of my, you know, selfish flesh and temporality, because I am limited. I can't walk into a children's hospital or walk into Ethiopia and take two fish and turn it into the loaves yet. And I say yet, maybe maybe God can can work that miracle through me as I grow in wisdom and stature myself. But, you know, Jesus did do those things. And I do believe he did those things. And I think that he was so in tune and so aligned with the love of the Father that he was able to do things that these other people are saying that they are in that same place or beyond that place. And I don't see any manifestation <laughs> of the goodness. All right. Right. None. They're not walking That's into good. hospitals. They're not walking into to homeless centers and, and performing the miracles Jesus did because they're walking in the same harmonious union with God. I don't see that. They're on Facebook railing at people like us. <laughs> I am. Uh, well, I just, go ahead. No, I, no, I was just going to say it ends up just being an anti-gospel. If, if uh, I'm telling you, there are some some of these ones we're talking about would have nothing to post about if it wasn't bashing Christianity. And there has to be more to your spirituality than just bashing something else. Now, listen, I bash Calvinism, you know, not infrequently, but it's, it's a, it's still a small percentage of what I would ever talk about. I mean, the only thing that makes me want to say anything on, on Facebook or write anything is about the positivity of Christ. And there's a fundamental, um, you know, origin was really big on, on the mysticism of light, you know, he, he saw our whole the early church father, you know, mm -hmm. he saw our whole uh, walk as one with light of all the things that God is compared to um, uh, or, or, or of all things that are compared to God. <laughs> Maybe that's a better way to put it. You know, light and love are the two constituent elements of it. So that's where we move. And if we're not moving in true light, you know, light that blesses and cures and heals and um, you know, then, then we're, we're selling something, we're selling a negative instead of selling a positive. And, um, it, you know, there used to be a big question about how you define pornography, you know, because one man's pornography might be another man's art, so they say. Uh, so, uh, so the Supreme Court came out with a famous statement by one of the chief justices, well, I may not can define pornography, but I know it when I see it. And uh, so that, that would be how I feel about this progressive strain of, um, you know, that, that has a bitter root, a bitter taste to it. And it's always because it's non-Christological. You know, mm -hmm. whatever we do in word or deed, we do it as under the Lord and not under men. We put on the Lord Jesus and we walk in the faith of him. 
And, you know, he died so that he gave his faith to us to live by so that we can play football by faith. I can look for a parking place by faith. Dear God, who are you to, who are you to say somebody that may have? Hey, a, a, I'm going to go out there. My mom, I love her to death. And, you know, my mom is a, grew up with my grandfather, who was that brother in Christ for mission. And my mom is one of the most deeply faithful people I've ever met. And she gets in a parking spot and she'll, she's going dear Lord please help me find a parking space and one will open up and you're like, okay, that was a coincidence. And then next time there's something there and it seems so insignificant, right? Just like we're talking about, what about the kids starving? But God works on the smallest of levels and seeming the most inconsequential of levels when we just have trust in his goodness, just like you said, goodness of God. And it's not that that goodness isn't being manifested and pulled away from that child, but but we have the obligation, we have the responsibility to go out there and manifest that goodness in that situation if we are so uh, opportuned, right? So there's a, there's a theme here, a theme that has been part of almost every one of our discussions, and that's on judging. Mm. Because I'm hearing not only are, are the uh, progressives who are all negative, they're judging the churchianity they're running away from, we judge other denominations and groups, you know, and, and yeah. display that we're, we're like, there's this, there's this game that's still played in the religious world. And I think the more we progress in our knowledge of God's love, the judging diminishes and the love grows for all people. And so in the world of climbing the ladder, even the religious ladder, it's about one-upmanship knowing just a bit more than that other person or sending out that information first, the gossip chain. Okay. As soon as you know something, Ooh, you got to tell somebody because you got to let them know, you know, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like, wait a minute. Um, you people hear a little bit of good news, uh, even a deconstruction of something, right? The, the, oh, Oh my goodness. That's the gospel. And they go out and start blabbing it, but they haven't processed any of it. That's so true. You know, like look at Paul when he first had the revelation on Damascus and, and the journey he was on, he had to go off and study for a couple of years. And so we don't do that. My, well, yeah. Bill and I know, uh, uh, you know, Steve McVeigh. And there was a time when he was teaching deeper and wider, but he had to wrestle with this for a long time before he'd come in out to his own team members, you know, and he was scared to share it with us at the time. But, oh, man, it was beautiful. But. It wasn't quick. It wasn't done publicly, but it seems there's a rush to get info out that's not even scrutinized. Well, and not I mean, even this, isn't, this isn't meant to toot horns or anything like that. I came into this progressive Christianity, again, to use that loaded term that we're, we're talking about, almost fully baked, wrestling for almost a decade, thinking I was a loner to stumble in and realize I'm not, there's a community here. And, 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 but you're right. I think so many of that community that I engage with had literally walked into it within days or weeks or months where I had been on a journey for a decade. And I, and it's interesting to watch some of that uh, trying to use. Nobody the, wants to be in the wrong crowd. Nobody yeah, wants to be the yeah, And they want to move past. And they were so, ex so excited to move beyond what they already were on that they moved beyond what they were. They, they never gave time to rest and, and, and take time to develop an, a, a complete and really maturated understanding, right. Of, of mm. what they were, what they were being revealed. It was just kind of in one ear, spew it out, out the next year and then we get the next thing in. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting thing. Well, I think the challenge is for every generation to redefine these dynamics that we, whatever faith was in the first generation, there is a faith for this generation. Mm -hmm. And it's been polluted. And some of that word has been so polluted. Maybe we do need a new vernacular. Well, and I, I don't, I yeah. And I think, you know, the, the, the institutional church owns, culpability in this and then i'm not yeah, of the judging i'm not talking about any individual i'm talking about the institution in the last 150 200 years the faith of christ has turned into the faith in christ right and so i think that's part of the challenges we have to i had this conversation with another mutual friend of all of ours don keithley on on uh, this week about taking back terms 
and not not acquiescing and not just abandoning Christianity as a word, not abandoning faith as a word. Um, I'm trying to remember the word hell. I'm not. Oh gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Don't take hell and just I'm never going to use it again. Or hell's only a concept I can't talk about except in a way that's, you know. No, I, I, I again, I said this this week. I, I do believe in hell. I, I believe in hell. I just don't believe in the same hell that other people have defined in a different way, you know? And Don uh, would agree with you. It's, it's a translation problem. It's, yeah. uh, it's time to take back these terms like faith and the faith of Christ, not the faith in Christ, is the source, right? He was the author. Mm-hmm. He was the completer. He was the finisher of our faith, right? And so without a faith of Christ that precedes my faith in Christ, the whole thing's off the rail. But institutional Christianity is with those things. So while progressivism is is trying to wrestle through that conversation, a lot of it's because we've perverted that message inside of something that that is so conservative that it's unwilling to flex and progress, right? And it is there's this sweet spot in the middle that I think uh, where we flourish and we, we grow. But if we get too far ahead of that train or we stay idle on the tracks, we're yeah, it's both are very, very well. Well, I, and I think where the fresh vernacular comes in is in the definitional part of it. Bingo. And one thing, one thing I've done is I started using other synonyms for words that I know have baggage. I love buns. cinnamon buns. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. But just cinnamon, just cinnamon buns, just, is that what you said? <laughs> 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 but but just to use just to use synonyms. And kind of uh, get synonyms in in the in the mix too, and still use these words, uh, but but kind of a bit at a time reshape it, reshape what comes to mind. Put the and, magnifying uh, glass back on it. Yeah, 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 exactly. It, unless it's just a memorized thing. Yeah, we know that verse. On and on, on we go. Can, can, yeah. I, can I show you guys a verse? The one that y'all know, but uh, I want to show the comparison. How I, I just saw how subtly this progressive stuff can move from self-focus because it's really a selfishly focused journey. So Galatians 2.20, y'all know it. So here it is. Um, multiple my favorite passage. Pardon? It's my oh. favorite passage. Well, I love this. And I'm going to also show you the, um, um, the First Nations translation as well. But if you're talking about uh, using synonyms, I use multiple translations now. Yeah, I do too. And that has really helped uh, reshape or open up the ways to see certain verses and words. So the traditional Galatians 2.20 New Living Translation would say, uh, my old self spring crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So, the, I, I, so I live this earthly body in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. Okay. And then the um, New American Standard Bible says I've been crucified. Um, I, I live by faith in the Son of God. Okay. So, so far we have I, I, my faith. It's my faith in God. It's, it's the onus of that faith is placed fully on the individual. Yeah. You're uh, first. Yep. Part, yeah. And now we go to King James. Um, new, new King James. <laughs> new King James has it too. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Look, forget something. the King James. King James says it correctly, but over here on passion, it says my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God right. who loves me. Very right. different right there. We live by the faith of the Son of God, which is what the King James Bible says. So we, Or Young's Literal, right in the middle, it says, I live by Son of God faith. Well... <laughs> You know, the whole challenge, that's one of the most famous passages for the concept of objective or subjective genitives. Uh, so the whole challenge is there is, is it faith towards God or is it faith from God? Yeah. So, you know, so that's where the, where the Greek construction comes into play. But to be fair, if you look at that passage, they ain't talking about our faith. That's exactly. talking about, I don't live by my faith. The life that I now live, I don't live. But I live by the faith of the Son of God. So that to me and, and people who, who would read it the way that I, we're proposing, the context demands that. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it's, that's a pretty easy one to call. But see, that's, one. 
take, you know, that, take, I'm going to show you this uh, First Nations one, then we'll continue where you're going on. Because this is a beautiful way to see it too. My life is no longer my own, for my life belongs to the chosen one who lives in me. The life I now live in my weak human body, I live by trusting in the faithfulness of the son of the great spirit who loves me and gave him his life up for me. That's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. But see, that's a mystical thing we're talking about there. That shifts the whole concept to where it's not my faith that determines anything. I've, I've used this. I've used this before with Superman, uh, with the example of Superman. You know, what pay, what place does our faith play? What faith does Jesus's faith play? And, you know, Superman used to have to run to a phone booth as Clark Kent because he couldn't let anybody see him as Clark Kent. All, but there was always a phone booth in every every block. You know, he, he was always, he could zip into the thing. day, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That when it, yeah, the new guys aren't going to get that phone booth. Uh-oh. <laughs> but, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, uh, but anyway, well, you know, maybe it, this is better for our faith. All our faith does is open the phone. Um, but, but, but the faith of he comes out of it. We, we get into it. I just get to the nearest phone booth, which is really just my devotional focus. I devotional focus, but he even helps me there. And I really, he really is underneath me. I just got to get these clothes, these human clothes off that are constricting him. But that the, the faith of God is in the phone booth. So there's always a phone booth near us. Don't stretch your faith. All you got to have is mustard seed faith to begin with. That's our faith. His and faith. That, I just love that. That's a gift. There's such a dichotomy and such a, 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 a wonderful, laughable irony in the mustard seed faith idea. Because it's nothing. That's it's yeah. nothing. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying. Your faith can be effectively nothing. My faith sourced through you can move mountains. Even if you don't help my unbelief, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's such an interesting thing because our faith, if we're if we if we don't even have it, um it's it's in um tremendous supply the greatest faith from anyone that jesus saw was by the roman centurion <laughs> whose job was to murder his countrymen oppress that that section of the world right and the guy who who probably is a pantheon you know thinks about all these gods and gives sacrifices to them and this is the guy who jesus has the greatest faith it's such an upside down twisted thing that sometimes i think again conservatism which is kind of what we're talking about gets it wrong too and mm-hmm. i love that because it, it when jesus becomes the source and the perfecter and, and completer and author of our faith it takes the pressure off of us to have to have this mustard no pun intended built up kind of yeah. extra efforted faith like i gotta go find the phone book no the phone booths on every proverbial corner. But, but then you also have the competition between believers saying, look, I have more faith in you, more than you. And we have a competition now. And that's like, not the point. It's the yeah. And yeah. Jesus always denounced that kind of nonsense about yeah. them competing with, with, with each other. You know, really, this is another way of you talk about vernacular, bringing the indwelling Holy Spirit back into it. Mm-hmm. Because I know we're all Holy Spirit guys. And, you know, the, 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 the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit, that is the, that is the faith of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the divine nature of Jesus that lives in us. Everything flows into that into that reservoir of Christ in us. Everything. Galatians 2.20, to the Holy Spirit, to being temples of the Holy Spirit, to be having the gift of faith. You know, that is a gift of the Spirit. Absolutely, it's a gift of the Spirit. Amen. You know, and, and, and reorganizing, you know, restructuring, re-energizing these terms is our challenge. And I so appreciate what you said earlier, Bill. We have to take that challenge on for our generation. We've let these things be usurped from us. And the progressives are taking straw men, you know, straw man definitions that aren't even the definitions that Jesus gave us Bingo. and, and not well, replacing they, them. They're just tearing them down without building them up. And it's like, you know, the, the scriptures and the value of the scriptures. And then we could go all day and maybe that's another conversation. I think that's probably a really important conversation the three of us have. Um there's still so much value and so much importance in, in having the scriptures because they do bring us back to the human being who lived and breathed, who had a beard, you know, who walked and talked and pooped. And yeah, he was a human. And that human is the exact representation of God. And, and there's something so tangible about him 
even in our, our understanding today, that it's so grounding to faith, hope, and love and that we have to have, because without him, we're doomed. I mean, it's just the reality. We're doomed individually, spiritually, societally. Jesus ha- is the only one that can save us. It really is true. Hey, Richard, well, me, go. You got to go, okay? Yeah, I, let me share something real quick on what Bill just said, because I'm so glad he said that. The whole, what is the scripture? My second passage, my, my favorite passage about scripture, that Galatians 2 thing is, uh, is my favorite passage about Christ in me. But my favorite passage about scripture is 2 Peter 1, 3 through 5, but where it says that the scriptures are the exceeding great and precious promises of God, mm-hmm. whereby we may become partakers of the divine nature. That God has given us all things for life and godliness through these promises these exceeding great and precious promises that we might become partakers of his nature, mm. of his faith, of his, you know, of, 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 his, armor, love. of his clothing, yeah. Of, yeah. of his gifts. And I, that's exciting. That is really cool. I, um, I had just listened to a Brian Zahn message uh, that he just recently did. I'm going to show you a quote. Um, You're probably going to think the same one I was kind of thinking about when I was talking. <laughs> well, this is the one I just posted today. If you guys saw my page today, if not, this is this is really cool. But he says, if you want the best theology, you need the whole body of Christ. If you want the best theology in the Christian faith, you are not going to find it with just one expression. You're going to have to drop on the whole table. I need some orthodoxy theology. I need some orthodox mystery. I need some Catholic beauty and Catholic stability and Catholic tradition because there is no counting for how we got here without that. I need some Anglican liturgy. I need some Protestant audacity, he said. <laughs> I need radical reformers, the Anabaptists with their peacemaking tradition. I need evangelical energy. I need Pentecostal experience. I need the whole body of Christ. He talks about it. He talks about it as the menorah of Christianity. And I love that. Yeah. But the same thing here, like when you, you can't toss the stuff out, like when they're starting to destroy and say, no, this is useless. It's like, no, my Jesus breathed truth into this somehow into these words and just because it's been tramped on and misunderstood and then replicated by hundreds doesn't make it you know the new replication that's not true doesn't make that true so we've got to go back to some key basics yeah and the early church fathers maybe that's why i like brad jerzak so much yes he really does that he's kind of touched every one of those whether by choice or not i think he's (laughs) you're right (laughs) yeah I just think uh, none of us own own it. We don't own the edge on knowledge, on expression. Uh, We need each other to learn, you know. Um, It's so I've learned something something important everywhere I've been. I was in a cult back in the early 90s for a year, and I learned something from that cult. And, you know, uh, it was like military boot camp. uh, But, you know, you don't stay in boot camp very long. You need to get the heck out of there. (laughs) (laughs) But it did teach me discipline, and it taught me focus. These people are serious. They are dead-level serious, and I admired that, even though it was based on Old Testament legalism. So, I mean, you know, everything has – you're right. Everything has a contribution. And and, uh, what is it – so I I saw a post the other day that said if we spent – if we spent looking for a way to love somebody, looking for something good about them first, mm-hmm. as opposed to something that's wrong with their theology. And I, and I take that to heart. I yeah, take that look for heart. the light. That's right. Yeah. Look for yeah, the light. I think, I think it was um, uh, Keith Giles posted something about uh, this, the revival the church has been praying for. It's happening right now through deconstruction. You know, the unpacking, the, the pulling away things that are holding us back. Um, that, I, I, I love I that quote. I also saw a really good quote. And I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know exactly what it said, but it said deconstruction without Christ um, isn't deconstruction. It's decimation or yeah, yeah. It's, it's something like it's, it's, you know, or destruction. It's destruction. Yeah. 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 Yep, we, we, can, cool. we can disassemble some things, but we got to have the building blocks to rebuild something. But more. when you disassemble, you're saving the parts because they each. Yeah, have you got to have something to rebuild something more beautiful. Absolutely. Because yeah. well, if maybe you want that more beautiful to build, then it's not really, it's not really love. It's not really faith. It's not really hope. Well, that would be a challenge for us, you know, to maybe the building blocks. That might be a good series to do sometime. Okay. You know, the building blocks of of a post progressive Christianity. I don't know something along I those lines. I got three of them, at least in my personal wall. But yeah, it's a different different okay. day. 
I know, Richard, you've got to go. You got to call the I've got to go, guys. And we're, and we're done anyway. We're not going to do another one today. Um, so thank you, guys. And uh, I look forward to our next chat. And look forward to the forgiveness conference stuff coming up. So heads up on that. You bet. Right. Me too. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you all. Oh, man, that was a great discussion. I I hope you've enjoyed that. Um, much more to come, and uh, I think we're going to definitely continue that discussion uh, moving forward. Um, we got lots of great stuff coming up. I'm going to do a quick hello to some of the folks chiming in here. we got uh, Linda down in Wallaceburg area, Robert in Windsor, good morning. Joy in, uh, in Guelph, hey, good morning. Yeah, I like your comment there. Uh, I spent a year in progressive Christianity Bible study. I found they don't take the Bible literally, so it was good in that way, but they had no understanding of faith and who Jesus really is. Yeah, there's, there's uh, the difficulty that I'm seeing, at least the pattern of difficulty of those that are deconstructing, um, they're moving to destruction really fast, and they're just taking pot shots at everything. And... I, you might like this. I, I, I'm, I think it was Brad Jerzak who posted something about this. But even Jesus, in giving a parable of the seeds and what if uh, the, you know weeds are tossed in there, um, Jesus said, leave them. Don't tear them all out. You might hurt uh, the ones that are the real seeds. And so to try and bulldoze over it all just because you're ticked off or don't understand something... You're going to destroy people in your path. And if you haven't got any humility, you're going to have a hard time groveling back and asking for forgiveness because your ego will stop you. So when we see, uh, when we see topics um, that are, you're, you call the word deconstructing or unlearning is the word I've used for the longest time. I think unlearning is the most difficult thing. Uh, as long as same with the growing, hearing new to you things, um, not necessarily new to theology or the early church or a Christendom, but new to us, we can we we can get into trouble fast. Mike Gordon, good morning in Guelph. Um, yeah, Joy says we can get stuck or stop in the deconstruction process, and the official and the official progressive movement is one place is one place some people stay. And I agree. They, there's also power in the group, right? Like when you are with people that actually understand, and you almost ramp each other up, and without without critical thinking, sometimes you think you're being critical in thinking, but you're just affirming the uh, the stuff you've been frustrated at. So I think we all need to be careful with that. I, I especially. Um, I don't want to overswing or overrun the base. Um, let's see, Lisa. Hey, good morning, Lisa uh, Wentworth. Good to see you down there. Uh, ch chirping on Bill Thrasher there. Yay. Um, yeah, and, and Lisa says the early church is revered. We don't get back. We don't get to kick it to the curb. That, that's true. Um, we don't. And so um, my hope is, and I've said this and I'll keep saying it, if our message, okay, let's start begin personally first and then what it looks like as a group. For you yourself, if God is not getting bigger and better, um, or if you aren't seeing people through the eyes of Christ and loving more people, people that you wouldn't normally love, if you're not loving people more and wider, um, you ain't doing it right. That's it. Um, and as a group, if you're only about better theology, ouch, and that's your focus, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Just be honest to what your group is. Um, but it does need to lead to an expression of seeing Jesus in you towards others? Is it making you a more loving person? Is the group um, loving others better? Uh, I would like to see the church stop all the programs, although it's cheap babysitting sometimes, or very expensive babysitting, um, and teach individuals to live as light and salt in their community, in every other club, the Lions Club, the Rotary Club, you name it. Instead of, well, we have to have a Christian version of it. Why? Why? You sound weird when you do. Uh, sorry. I, I, the, the Christianese language is just terrible. And we look so weird to people who don't do the church thing. And it's like they just roll their eyes and go, oh, I'm so sick of all that. Because we've done it. 
So my hope is, too, that in the deconstruction and learning, we also deconstruct our terminology and churchy language. You know, have a blessed day. Oh, bless you. I just I just cringe at that stuff. Sorry. Um, and I'm a pastor. Good grief. But still, I, I'm, I hear more and more, and, and maybe because of my exposure to being around people that aren't Christians, you know, the, all the funerals I do and, and uh, the fire department I work with and the long-term care home, man, I deal with people that they don't believe in God at all or are very generally connected and they don't use weird religious language except when they show up at church. So why do we have a separate planet all over the place with different, like, I don't know. That's a rant. Sorry. I just, ugh. I don't want to be like that. I want to keep moving away from that and yet authentically share and express the life and love of Christ. As Bruce Walkup said, if this message isn't making God bigger and better, it ain't the gospel. And uh, I thought that was really cool. All right. Uh, just a heads up. Uh, in January, stay tuned, we are going to have an online conference called Healing Life's Hurts Through Understanding Forgiveness. This is going to be a big one, okay? Uh, as in the content will be really, really important. Um, I got a number of key guest contributors uh, participating in this. It'll be on Thursday nights for about three weeks if we have to go fourth week because we end up getting too many uh, submissions uh, and videos. Fine. Um, but I think this is going to be a really, really important um, addition to the other forgiveness material I've, I've been teaching for years. And so, you know, we're going to hear from Richard Murray and Bill Thrasher. We're going to hear from Andre Robbie. We're going to hear from Francois. We're going to hear from Brad Jerzak. Uh, we're going to hear from a, a Muslim cleric. Um, we're going to hear from Stuart Johnson in Australia. Uh, Red Shoot. I'm just trying to think all the names quickly and I can't. So either way, it's going to be a really, really incredible event. Uh, and we'll show you how to register and let you know when things are up and ready for registration. But it's online in January. And uh, just stay tuned for that. I think it'll be great. All right. That's all I got. I hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for the comments. And um, uh, I look forward to next week's topic, whatever it may be. We may take uh, we'll have less sessions in um, in December because December gets crazy. So we may take a, a break in uh, for parts of December as we get ready for the January conference. But I'll let you know what's going on there. All right. Talk to you guys later. See ya. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.